0: Who has the power?
1: Uh, you can be turning to page 638, page 638 in the church Bibles. Uh, Real quick, uh, so far things are going pretty well for Amanda Haynes. We keep checking on her and uh, she's doing fine. And apparently the baby is progressing. And so uh, we'll just pray the doctors continue to be amazed with what God's doing there. Ryan and Brooke, uh, our kids, we went and saw them this last week and uh, they're doing real well and they uh, so far she's had no issues and so we're just praying again there that the lord will provide and the doctors will go we had nothing to do so that's what we pray so uh we want to continue oh bob we're gonna pray for you bob had a spill and uh he's sore kind of beat up so anyway uh, we'll be praying for bob mantooth to be healed up and we're going to continue to pray for Israel. Our scripture today is uh, spot on with what's going on over in Israel, if you hadn't heard. Um, they've been attacked by Hamas out of the Gaza Strip. And, uh, you know, they're going to retaliate. And so um, we were just talking this morning about how they always put a pe- people on notice that if you're in this area and you're civilians, get out because we're about to level it, basically. And so. At least they're respectful enough and honorable enough to do that. But uh, who knows where that goes. And the scripture this morning is interesting because it's in David's time. King David's, well, before King David was king, uh, it's some psalms that came out of this period of his life when he was running from King Saul uh, for years. For years he ran from King Saul. And uh, I love this scripture. It's Psalm 33. Uh, our reading today begins in verse 16. and goes through the end of that chapter uh, to 22. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to, to deliver their soul from death And to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us. Just as we hope in you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bless you. For uh, all that you're doing um, in our lives and in the lives around us. We pray you continue to show your perfect will in uh, the Haynes family and Rhonda Brooks family, Lord. We just pray that uh, the doctors will be put aside and that, Lord, your will will be perfect in these situations. And uh, we also pray, Lord, you would just help our friend Bob feel better this week uh, as he comes to you for healing. And uh, pray, God, you would touch his body and help him to feel better. Uh, Quickly, and he would see your hand of healing in this. Lord, we bless you uh, for how you even established the physical Israel, the nation of Israel that we know today. We hear stories of your miraculous things you did to even establish that nation. And Lord, we know that you're still there and you still have a plan for this nation and these people. And Lord, I pray that they would uh, come with you with humble hearts, would fall before you they would be your people they would cry out not only for you but lord they would fall in love with the trinity you your son and the holy spirit through this difficult time that they would see the light of the world lord and that they would come to depend on the name of jesus lord through these times we uh, we just pray god you would just oversee that whole situation we know you are we know you have and we know you will continue lord to uh, work out your perfect will in that part of the world. Lord today as we come we thank you for what a privilege it is to be here and to worship you and to sing praises to your name and to hear your word proclaimed lord out straight out of your word lord we thank you for what a blessing that is and i pray god that our hearts are changed lord that we uh, would go with something this week that would change the way we walk uh, every day this week lord that we would be redirected to reflect you more the world around us thank you lord jesus for this time together we we just lift up all these things in your holy name and we trust in you for all these things it's in your mighty name we pray jesus amen
0: This key declare his name tonight Jesus.
2: morning. Well, I have um, I'm so excited about this message today. It is one of my favorite chapters in Romans. In fact, 9, 10 and 11 are are some of my favorite chapters in Romans and um excited to share with you the places I think God has for us this morning. You know, one of the things I was thinking about today when I was studying is if, if somebody asked me to describe the Bible in just a short understanding, I would say the Bible is a picture book. You know, we all growing up loved to pick up books that had pictures in it, Right. Some of you may still like books that have pictures in it today that's more fun to read if there's a picture that helps you to understand more fully what the writer is trying to say to you, and that's truly the Bible. The Bible is a picture book, and God is painting these pictures and these understandings and these symbolism and these types and shadows to help us to understand who he is, and what he's trying to say to us. And I think the biggest place in my life was when I began to see this and that God was trying to talk to us in all these different ways that I had missed. I thought they were just stories, just stories in the Bible, and the Bible just had lots of stories. But I began to understand that God is painting and helping us to understand his whole Uh, plan and who he is through all these pictures. So I pray today that your eyes will be open as we look into God's word to see these pictures. I want to just briefly talk about the things that we've been studying over the last few weeks. We started out in Romans 1, and I just pulled out just little snippets of things that we looked at. and. And uh, probably my favorite place in Romans 1 is the just shall be saved by faith. The just are saved by faith. So right from the very beginning, Paul is telling us that the, those that have been justified, those who have been uh, made in right standing before the Lord are those who are walking in faith, And then uh, chapter two, I wrote down that the doers of the law will be justified. They will be in right standing, that you cannot just be hearers of the law, law, but you have to be doers of the law. And that is um, a powerful place. And then chapter three, I wrote down that man, again, is justified by faith. So in Throughout all of these first three, over and over again, we're seeing how man is justified through his faith in God's plan. That's what I want to say. Justified by faith in God's plan. Four, I wrote down chapter four, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So in this place of Abraham believing God, Abraham had faith in God's plan and God's purpose and God's ways. And chapter 5, that you have been justified by faith over and over and over and over again. We see this place of being justified, being made right in the eyes of God, being in alignment with God through faith. Then uh, verse 6 begins to help us to understand um, that in this place of being justified by faith, that you would be doers and not just hearers. And I wrote down that you would not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. If you're walking in faith, you would not allow sin to reign in your mortal bodies. Uh, and then, verse um, chapter eight, chapter seven, and chapter eight are are two verse uh, two chapters that are just awesome, and they help us to understand that you do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, and that is the backdrop for where we're going to be in chapter. Nine today, so turn with me in your Bibles to page thirteen hundred. I want to look at this verse eight, chapter uh, chapter eight, verse one, before we start with chapter nine. I think chapter nine oftentimes becomes confusing for people if you don't understand what what Paul is trying to lead us into seeing here. So I, I, I think it's so important. So chapter eight, verse one, on page 1300. And chapter eight, verse one, it says, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So it, Paul is writing, he said, there's no condemnation, there's no uh, penalty for punishment here. There's uh, no, uh, um, I don't know what the word I want to use, condemnation is the best word right here, for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who are in Christ Jesus, you're no longer under the penalty of punishment for sin for being uh, separated from God. You're no longer under this condemnation. But then he goes, if you're in Christ Jesus, but then he describes what it means to be in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, and it says, comma, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what it means to be in Christ Jesus and there be no condemnation when you're in Christ Jesus means that you no longer walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I want you to hold that close in your mind because as we go into chapter 9, I want you to see that Paul is continuing this understanding. He doesn't switch ideas. He's helping us to further understand the purpose and the plan of God to explain exactly what he's talking about here in chapter uh, 8, verse 1. All right, so starting in chapter 9, verse 1, he's, Paul writes, he says, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bears bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ. For my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came who is over all and the eternal blessed God. Amen. Paul is writing in a place where his heart is just tormented for his brethren. You see that? For his brethren, for his brothers, for his countrymen, for the Jewish people. Paul was Jewish. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he is broken hearted because his people, his Jewish brethren, his brothers and sisters and his countrymen do not understand God's plan and the fullness of God's plan through the Messiah. So he is heart stricken for this place. And he's writing with this understanding. But I want you to notice a couple of things. Starting in verse 4, right, he's saying, Who are Israelites? These people that are my countrymen, that are my brethren, these are the Israelites to whom pertain the adoption. So he's saying they were adopted into God's family To be sons. I want you to put your marker right here. We're going to come back and forth in several places today. So I want to come back to this in just a minute. But look up on page 64. This is only one place we'll look at. You could find several. Page 64. Um, I'm sorry. Exodus 4 verse 22, Exodus 4, on page 64. Exodus 4, verse 22 says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me, But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. So right off of the bat, uh, God delivers the children in uh, from the hands of Pharaoh. But before Pharaoh even lets them go, before they've done anything, they've been adopted in as sons. Adopted in as sons. God chose, I want you to hear this, Israel to be his son. God chose Israel. And a lot of people go, why? And I would say, because God is God and he has the right to choose and he chose Israel to be his son. That is what it's talking about in Romans 4, so go back to Romans 4, when it says that who are Israelites, and then he's listing all these things that were given to the Israelites, and he's saying first and foremost, they were adopted by God to be their sons into his family, God adopted them in. And then it says, uh, also, they received the glory, the glory. Oh my goodness, this word is so huge, it's just um, hard to even explain, but I have a couple of verses I want you to look at. Let's see, Um, looking at on page 79, Exodus 16, 10. The glory. Exodus 16, verse 10. It says, Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Now, sometimes we talk about that God led the children of Israel by the cloud by day and by fire by night. But I want to tell you something that I, I think gets misunderstood is that if you went outside today and you look up in the sky, sky and you see clouds, that's not what they were talking about that they were led by. It did look as clouds, but there was more. Because what what the glory is, it says the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The glory is God's Shekinah glory. It's his presence. It's a visible sign of God's presence. I want you to grab hold of that a minute. It's a visible sign of God's presence. And, and Paul is writing to us in Romans, and he's saying not only did God adopt these children to be so, his sons, but he came to them and presented to them the glory. He allowed them to see his very essence of who he is then it says the covenants they were given the covenants and um, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me still have a little allergy cough but let me grab a drink here thank you the covenants, so there's the covenant with Abraham, the covenant with Moses, and there's the new covenant, all of these are about Israel, and we may look at that at a little later time, then it says the giving of the law, So not only were they adopted, not only were they given the the glory to see the glory, but they were given the covenants. They were given God's laws, which really define his holiness. Then it says, and the service of God. They were taught how to be priests, to serve God and the promises, God gave the Israelites the promises. Then it says in verse five, of whom are the fathers and of whom according to the flesh Christ came, the fathers, So who are the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're going to begin to look at that a little bit today, and why they're considered to be the fathers. They were given the promises. So when he's talking about they were given the promises, then right after that, it says that, of whom are the fathers? So the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were given the promises of God. And then it says, from whom, from out of this group of people, the fathers, according to the flesh, the Messiah came. Christ came. God chose this group of people. And it, through his plan, all of these things have been fulfilled through them. The Messiah came through the fathers, the Israelites. Why? Because God chose to. And then it says, who is over all, Christ is over all, the eternally blessed God. And and he helps us to understand right there this place of who the Messiah is and that he is over all and that he is the eternally blessed God. He's defining the Messiah for us. Verse 6 says, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. All right. So right here it says, But it is not that the word of God has not taken no effect. And in other words, it's not that the word of God has failed. You see, God made these promises through Israel. And yet Paul is saying, my heart is broken because the Israelites don't know who Jesus is. That he, all these things have been given to Israel and the Messiah came through Israel and yet they don't recognize who he is. But it says, but this is not meaning that the word of God has no effect. In other words, his plan is, has not failed. It is not saying that this plan of God has failed just because they don't see him yet. It's so important that we begin to understand that because oftentimes um, there is a, a complete heresy taught throughout the church that the church has now become the chosen people, children of God. That is an abomination. That is a heresy. And that is against the word of God. And Paul is proving that through chapter 9. But when we get to that thought that the church has replaced Israel in our arrogance, we have to go back to what Paul has said right here. All these things weren't given to the church, they were given to Israel. And Paul is saying very clearly in verse 6 that just because they don't understand, that's what he's brokenhearted over, does not mean that the word of God Has failed or been changed. Then he goes on to explain a little bit. He says, For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Well, Paul is sometimes difficult to understand, but I want you to hear what he's trying to say to to us right here. He's saying, For they are not all of Israel. Who is Israel? you may remember that Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac, and then Isaac had Esau and Jacob, and God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So what he is saying, that for they are not all those who are born to Jacob, who are of Israel, the kingdom. You see, Israel is always referred to in one or two ways. As the physical Israel, the tribes of Jacob, or the spiritual Israel, the kingdom of God. So, Paul is saying that not all who are born of Jacob are all going to be in the kingdom, Israel. Let's read on. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. All right, says they are not all children because they are seed of Abraham. Just because you are born of, or they are born of Abraham, does not mean that they are a part of the kingdom of Israel, of the spiritual kingdom. And that makes so much sense to us because Abraham had two sons. The first one was Ishmael. The promise was given by God that Abraham and Sarah would have a son that God would bless the nations through this descendant of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, being of old age, of her being barren, decided that, they, that God did not know what he was doing, and they replaced God's plan with their own plan. I want you to hear me right there. They replaced God's plan with and his promise to fulfill his word with their own thoughts about how God was going to have to do this. I think we're all guilty of this place. You see, it didn't happen exactly when Sarah thought it should, so Sarah and Abraham agreed that he would Birth a child through the maidservant Hagar, and so out of their own plan came Ishmael. Now, I want to tell you right here that's what the church has done is that not understanding that God's plan is still being fulfilled and that it has not failed, they have gone on their own way and replaced God's chosen people with. The church, that is not biblical, and Paul's addressing that. So just because a child or a descendant of Abraham doesn't make them a child of the promise, you see, Ishmael was of the flesh. Isaac was the chosen seed, the promise, the child of the promise. God fulfilled his promise that he would give a son to Sarah and Abraham, and it would be Isaac but they had already walked in their flesh and done what they wanted to do. Now they've created a generation that was not chosen to be in the promise. If you read in verse 7, it says, Nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called... In Isaac, in Isaac is God's called ones, is uh, an invitation to be a part of his promise, his plan. Verse 8 says, That is, those who are children of the flesh, these are not children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. So what Paul is saying to us is that the children out of the flesh have not aligned with the promise that God was doing. His plan and His ways. What Paul is helping us to understand is he's continuing and in a greater way drawing us in deeper to understand what he started in chapter 8 where he is saying, if you are in Christ Jesus, you cannot walk in your flesh. You have to be according to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. The same thing he's pointing out with Abraham. (coughs) (coughs) You can't go your own way and make your own way. That's the flesh. You have to be in faith walking out the promise of God that's in the spirit. Do you see that? That's what Paul is trying to help us to see. There's flesh and spirit. And just because you were born under Abraham, you may not be in the plan of God. You may be in the flesh of God, of of your own. I'm sorry, not of God. In your own flesh, not in the spirit of God. Now, verse 8, let's look at that again. That's what he's saying. That is, those who are children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Okay? For this is the word of the promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. You see, that's exactly what God told Sarah Back in Genesis, that you will have a son. But she went ahead and made her own way. Just speaking of pictures here, I want you to see that you could have, Paul could have said, At this time I will come and Abraham will have a son, or Abraham and Sarah would have a son. But the reason Paul uses Sarah is because throughout the Bible, Sarah, women, when they are emphasized in a situation, and we'll see that again in just a minute, is a picture of God's promise that would come through the woman. A son will be born... Let's look at that. Y'all, I can see everybody looking at me like, let's see. Look over here in Genesis maybe 3, 4, Genesis 3, something like that. Yes, Genesis 3 on page 4. And, it's, and he's talking to Adam and Eve, and uh, it says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise her head, and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, and I will greatly multiply your sorrow, and then it goes on through. What the, From the very beginning, the woman represents the the plan of God of redemption that a son is going to be born out of woman. So Sarah, the promised son, is going to be born out of Sarah. Do you see that? So Paul is using this place, speaking in pictures, to say, remember, remember, the Messiah is coming through the woman. And And he is giving us a lineage of that understanding and to remember that picture. Verse 10 says, And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him who calls, It, it was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. And it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So Paul is continuing on here in verse 10. And he's reminding us that now Rebekah and Isaac have two sons. Esau is the oldest, the firstborn, and Jacob, the younger. But the promise had been given to Rebecca that says in verse 12, the older shall serve the younger. What Paul is trying to help us see is the picture through Abraham and the picture even coming through Rebecca and Isaac is a picture of the flesh and the spirit. The flesh is born first. That is your flesh. And Paul is saying the, the the older, which is the firstborn, Esau, is a picture of the flesh. Ishmael is a picture of your flesh. You were born in the flesh first. Does everybody see that? When you were born, you weren't born walking in God's spirit, walking in God's ways, walking in the places that God desires for you. Rather, you were walking in your own ways, doing your own thing, just as Sarah and Abraham were, and Ishmael came out of that. Then he says, but also here's Rebekah and Isaac. Esau and Jacob were twins, and this was spoken over them that, that the uh, younger, I'm sorry, the older would serve the younger before they were even born, before they've even done anything. Paul is saying before they've done anything good or evil. I want you to see this picture. And the picture is that the flesh is born first and the spirit is born second. And in this place he says, Jacob I have loved. The one in the spirit, the one walking out the plan of God is Jacob. Now, a lot of people say that Jacob, the name means supplanter. That is not truth either. It doesn't mean deceiver or supplanter. What the word Jacob means is to follow after. And so some have twisted that understanding to come to this other that he was deceiving. He was not deceiving. Rebecca was given the plan of God, and she helped groom Jacob to walk in the plan of God. He didn't steal the birthright from Esau. Esau, in his own way, would not walk in the things of God but wanted his own personal satisfaction and a meal but Jacob is a picture of walking in the spirit to follow after the promises and the ways and the laws and the covenants of God God says, I loved Jacob. But Esau, the person who is in their flesh, I hate. I want to read this to to you again and see if you understand what God is saying here or what Paul is saying here starting in verse 10 it says and not only this but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man even by our father Isaac for the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil do you see see what it's saying here that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Now, I want to tell you what that's saying right there. That is saying that the purpose of God might stand. And then it says, uh, according to election. I don't like that word. If I were you, I'd mark that word out because that gets all twisted in our minds. Choice, according to the choice of God, the choice of God that he chose that these things would happen this way, he knew, he had foreknowledge that Esau would be exactly as Esau was. He knew that Abraham and Sarah would walk in this place of doing their own way and Ishmael would be born. But God chose for it to be that way. He wanted it to be Not that he made them walk that way, but he wanted to use the pictures in this, knowing they would happen. Does that make sense? So God didn't cause Abraham to go his own way. He didn't cause Esau to go his own way. But because he knew they would, he used this place to fulfill his purpose of showing you and I today the difference in walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. Does that make sense? God is using these pictures to help us understand who will be those people In the kingdom of Israel. That the promises are for. That the covenants are for. That the laws are for. They're not for both. They're not for just either twin that was born. Because one twin has gone their own way. One twin, Jacob, has chosen to follow after. I want you to hold your place right here, and I want to go to Malachi. Let's see if I have a. It's on page 1104. if you're looking for a place to read this week, you might read in Genesis 25. It talks about Jacob and Esau. Oftentimes, Esau is made out to be the victim. But I want you to read carefully and see, Jacob did not take his birthright from Esau. Esau sold his birthright for just a bowl of soup to satisfy his own passions for the moment. He walked in his own flesh. Malachi helps us to understand a little bit about this place. Starting in Malachi 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The burden... Of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, said the Lord, yet you say, In what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? So the Lord, I'm sorry, says the Lord, yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom, and by the way, Edom is another word for Esau. It's, it means, uh, red, Edom means red soup. So really what Malachi is saying here is even though Esau has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. And so uh, God's saying to Esau, I'm going to lay things down, I'm going lay waste to everything that you are building and Esau comes back and says, we'll return and build these desolate places. They may uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. He says, you build it again, I'll throw it down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see, and you shall say, The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then if then, I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am the master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. To you, the priest who despised my name, yet you say, In what way have we despised your name? And he's, he's talking about Esau in this very place. And Esau is just bent on doing his own way. And he said, I'll build it up. And the Lord says, I'll tear it down. He says, I'll build it again. He's arrogant and he's prideful. And he's only interested in his own personal gain. He didn't see any benefit to the birthright. He wasn't... Seeking after the Lord to understand why God had placed him in the position he had placed him. And he frivolously allowed it to be taken from him. But Jacob, Jacob, walking in the spirit, grabbed hold of the things of God. And not only did he receive the birthright for himself, but on his dying bed, he blesses the generation's to follow, that God's plans and his promises might go forth. Walking in the spirit. Walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. Let's turn back to Romans 9. Let me see if there's I think we'll end with this place today because this is a lot for us just to grab hold of. But I pray that you'll go back and read through this today and this week and that you will see what Paul is trying to say to us in helping us to understand the pictures given in the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's giving these pictures to begin to build to help us to understand God's purposes and his plans and his covenants and his promises and how we will fit in to God's plan. He's setting a firm foundation. The the main thing he wants us to see here is that God has a plan. And his plan did not change. His plan is continuing. And we can either be as Esau, and we can go our own way and do our own things, and we will not be able to enter into the kingdom of Israel, which is what we would call salvation. Paul calls it the kingdom of Israel. And all of Israel, he'll tell us later in chapter 11, he says, and all of Israel will be saved. Of course it will. Those who are in Israel will be walking in the spirit. Those who are going their own way will not be in Israel. And that's why he says today, not all of Israel Will be, is, will be of Israel. I know these are a lot of um, difficult places if we don't really press in and ask God to open our understanding. So is my prayer today that these words would not go out vain, but that these words would be healed in your heart for any untruth that has ever been established. The church has not replaced God's plan. The church has a place in God's plan and we'll begin to unfold that. But there is a big difference between the two and we wanna be walking in truth. Um, I believe the way to walk in the spirit is to abide Jesus said you have to abide in me and if you abide in me and I abide in you I, pr- I pray that today that is your desire is to abide with him in his plans in his way and not go your own way stand with me please
3: Yes, I did.
0: teach to teach